Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. We got to get Guy out of here, so <laughs> let's get the show on the road. This is Political Breakdown from KQED in San Francisco. I'm Scott Schaefer. Today on The Breakdown, the Democratic win in Tuesday's special election in New York to replace George Santos means Democrats now need to flip just four more seats in November to regain the majority in the House of Representatives. There are four or five House seats in California alone currently held by Republicans that Democrats are targeting to win. Seats in Orange County, L.A., the Central Valley, and Riverside County. There are also several open House seats in California. Seats held by Democrats where the incumbents are retiring or running for other offices like the U.S. Senate. Democrats are expected to hold on to all those seats, but some very robust, lively competition is underway in some of those races, especially in Los Angeles, and we're, we're planning to cover those races before the March primary. And today, we're digging into another one of those very competitive races, the one for the 16th Congressional District in Silicon Valley. The incumbent there, Anna Eshoo, is retiring after more than three decades in Congress, and several well-known Democrats are vying to replace her in the March primary. KQED politics correspondent Guy Marzarati actually lives in that congressional district. He's following that race carefully, and he's here now to talk about what he's seeing and hearing there. Hey, Guy. Hey, Scott. So, Guy, let's uh, talk about the district itself. It includes parts of Santa Clara and San Mateo counties. Um, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so this district actually runs all the way from Pacifica all the way down through you know peninsula communities in San Mateo County. Um, all the way to San Jose. Um, and it's the first time that we're seeing an a open uh, race for this seat in quite some time. Anna Eshoo first won uh, in this district in 1992. She's now retiring. So as a result, you have, I think, a lot of pent-up energy among elected officials in the area. It's why we've had such a large field, 11 candidates running for this seat. Um, and as a result, we're getting a lot of really interesting contrasts within the Democratic Party. This is a safe Democratic district. So you see a lot of, you know, back and forth between candidates and maybe some disagreements among things like labor and business, even perhaps uh, the U.S. handling of the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza, things like that. When, you know, we don't really have a large conservative presence in the district, you start to see differences break down between Democrats. And would you expect that there could be a Republican who would sneak through into the top two with all these Democrats dividing up the vote? You know, at, at this point, I think uh, that's probably unlikely because you do have multiple Republicans uh, in the race. You have um, Peter Otaki, who's a former council member from Menlo Park. You have Carl Ryan, who is a, a local Republican Party official. The fact that there's not just one Republican that conservatives can get behind, the few conservatives there are in this area, I think make it more likely that you'd end up with two Democrats in the general election. And give us a sense of who some of those top Democrats are. 
Yeah, so I can break this down in a few different ways. You have three elected officials, Democrats who have represented large parts of the district. Joe Simidian, county supervisor, Evan Lowe, a state assembly member, and then former San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo. You also have other elected officials or former elected officials in this race who have represented individual cities. So Julie Lithcott-Hames, Greg Lynn Tanaka, they're on the Palo Alto City Council. Rishi Kumar, former council member from Saratoga. You have Peter Otaki, former council member from Menlo Park. And then you have a group of folks who have not held public office before who are running in this primary. That includes Peter Dixon, former Marine who started a national security-focused software company. Ahmed Mustafa, a women rights attorney who actually stood out for being the only candidate to come out in favor of a permanent ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza. You have Joby Bernstein, a Stanford graduate student who's run a campaign really focused on climate change. And then Carl Ryan, a Republican who has previously uh, held leadership positions in the local party. There's been a lot of, I think, anticipation about when Eshu would retire. Uh, some thought she might not run for re-election last time, kind of like the conversation around Nancy Pelosi. Um, what, how, do, how do constituents down there feel? about her. She did endorse one of the candidates, Joe Simidian. Um, you know, what What has her impact been in these last 30 years? Yeah, you know, I think Eshu, it's been interesting because she's really served in this seat bef- since before the tech industry took off to what it is today uh, in Silicon Valley. So she's kind of seen that evolution from a policymaking standpoint. And, you know, she's been on different sides of, of issues uh, regarding tech and, and with big companies that uh, like Facebook, I remember a few years ago I did an article about where lawmakers stand on on bills that Facebook supports. And issue there were some she supported, some she opposed. But I think as she leaves office, she's spoken openly about you know maybe some regrets and how Congress has approached regulating uh, the tech industry. And now as she's going to pass the baton to whoever represents this district next, they're really going to take on a mantle of, you know, how does Congress approach new issues like AI? I think that's something all of these candidates uh, running for this office are going to be thinking about. We've seen big tech getting involved in politics up here in San Francisco. What about in this race? Does there seem to be like a favorite tech candidate or an issue around technology that divides the field? Yeah, you know, I would say we have seen a lot of uh, support, financial support from the tech industry for Sam Licardo. Um, and he, I think, has kind of emerged as, you know, the most uh, as a, a voice in favor of, of tech. Um, he's long been a kind of pro-business Democrat during his time in San Jose. Um, and, you know, there might be a contrast there with someone like Evan Lowe, who has support from labor. Evan Lowe has voted for things like, you know, uh, privacy regulations uh, in the state legislature. When I talked to Sam Licardo, he said he really doesn't think it's best for state legislators to be kind of going out on their own and doing a state-by-state approach to something like digital privacy. So maybe that's an area where you could see some contrast. We've said uh, you know, at the top that this is not a seat that's going to change hands. Uh, it's a plus 37 Democratic seat. Joe Biden handily uh, won. Um, so why does this matter? Like what, what What? might the outcome of this race tell us? Yeah, so I think a, a couple of things. You do have the opportunity for, I think, whoever wins this seat to be a leading voice on tech issues like the future regulation of AI, simply by the fact that they're representing a district where so many uh, employees of these uh, companies, where some of these companies themselves are located. So I think that's one important thing. And then I think whether you're talking about this election uh, in the South Bay or 
an open congressional seat in Oakland. There's a few in Los Angeles. These are safe Democratic seats. So what you're going to hear in the debate is really a reflection of the divisions that exist within the Democratic Party and among Democratic voters. And I think, you know, you have the potential to see some of those fissures play out in this race. You know, this is uh, an opportunity that doesn't come along very often. These seats are held typically by incumbents for a very long time. In this particular race, you've got two Democrats. Evan Lowe is in the Assembly. Joe Simidian is a county supervisor. They're going to be out of a job <laughs> uh, if they don't make the top two or get elected in the end. So, like, why why roll the dice, do you think, especially for somebody younger like Evan Lowe? Well, I think it's about, you know, opportunity. The fact that this seat hasn't been open, uh, you know, without an incumbent since the early 90s. This is, you know, an opportunity for these candidates. Someone like Samidian's been eyeing this for a long time. I mean, he's been open about that. He's had a campaign account uh, for this seat for quite some time. I think he's he's thought about this as the next step, as have many of these other candidates. Sam Licardo uh, had also been open about his desire to serve in Congress once his time as mayor was up. So, you know, elected officials, they're always thinking about, you know, what's, what's maybe the next opportunity opportunity, what's the next job? And I think that's no different here. Next rung on the ladder. Sam Licardo, of course, was mayor of San Jose. And I seem to remember that he doesn't live in the district, uh, although you don't have to. That's right. You don't have to in Congress. And, you know, this is not a, a, a Garamendi situation where he's, you know, living, you know, really far away from the district. He lives in San Jose. It's just a part of San Jose that's not encompassed within the, the 16th uh, congressional district. I think his bet is, look, like, you know, voters in San Jose will, you know, remember his name or, or have, you know, some familiarity with him as mayor, whether or not he lives in the part of San Jose that is in the district. He has a lot of money, as does Peter Dixon, in terms of campaign cash. Um, what is your sense of like, what are you seeing out there in terms of the campaign just quickly? Oh, well, I mean, as a resident of the district, I can tell you my mailbox, I come home to a full mailbox uh, every day with mailers. Um, certainly, yeah, all of these candidates are making their presence, uh, you know, through through mail. We're even seeing some ads uh, on TV, even for just a congressional district like this. We're seeing some candidates take the airwaves to try to uh, get their faces in front of voters. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Guy Marzarati about the race to replace Congressmember Anna Eshoo. You're listening to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. We'll be right back. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. 
And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here with KQED politics correspondent Guy Marzarati. We're talking about the very competitive race for the congressional seat currently held by Democrat Anna Eshoo. She announced that she's retiring after more than 30 years representing that district in Silicon Valley. Several well-known candidates are in the race, including Assemblymember Evan Lowe, former San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo, and Santa Clara County Supervisors Joe Simidian. And Guy, you've been talking with all these candidates. Um, tell us a little bit about them. Um, you know, pick one and uh, let's dig in a little bit about what they've told you about why they're running and what they want to do. Sure. So, I mean, I can start with Samidian because, as I mentioned, he's long expressed uh, an interest in this seat and he's has more experience in local government than any of these other candidates. He served in the city council. He was in the state legislature. Now he's on the board of supervisors. And he's someone who can really point to specific projects um, or initiatives in the district that he made happen. For example, like the Buena Vista Mobile Home Park in Palo Alto. That was a big fight of his to maintain that, to keep that open. I think the question for Samidian is, particularly if, if he makes it into the top two in the general election, is his age. Do voters care that he's 71 years old? Do they want a representative uh, who's younger if, if this is the first time the seat is open in a long time? And it's definitely something Samidian's been thinking about because I asked him, uh, this question. And he says, you know, look, he he has support from a lot of local elected officials. And he says the reason they're backing him is because he's someone who's forward looking. As I talked with them uh, on behalf of their communities, they they said, we're for you. And we're for you because as we look to the future of our communities, we think you are someone who will look ahead, who will look around corners, who will anticipate problems. And I think that kind of energy and ingenuity is what people understandably and reasonably expect uh, from their elected officials or should. And uh, I think that's what I offer up. And in addition to that, Samidian is endorsed by Anna Eshoo in this race, which, Scott, as we're talking about an election that has such a short timeline, right, like Eshoo announced in November, December, she's retiring. There's this rush uh, of, of candidates having those clear signals for voters like the current Congress member is endorsing me. That's a that's a good signal for for Samidian to put before voters. And as you suggested, he is very well known in this district. He's held office himself. He's been in Sacramento representing this area. He's been on the Palo Alto City Council. Now he's on the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors. Does that that familiarity, I mean, does it amount to much, do you think? Uh, or is he, as you said, maybe somebody, they're looking perhaps for somebody younger, a new generation of leadership or a different generation? No, I mean, I think in the short term, name ID is a plus. In a, in a really large field like this, just the fact that voters might be familiar with you, they might have cast a ballot for you in the past, um, is something that you know candidates like to have at, at this stage in the game. So one of the other candidates running is uh, Evan Lowe, who was an assemblyman, uh, was elected, uh, got into public office very young, in his mid-20s, I think. Um, and he is now, uh, you know, toward the end of his term in Sacramento in the Assembly. Uh, tell us about him. What's his pitch? Yeah, uh, Lowe's running in this race as the progressive pro-labor candidate. And importantly, he has the support of the South Bay Labor Council, which is a huge political force down here. Um, also, Senator LaFonza Butler, Congressmember Ro Khanna, they've backed his campaign. Lowe's pitch is really built around his identity, someone who's been a trailblazer, as you mentioned, winning office as a really young, openly gay Asian mayor in Campbell. Um, and his message to voters is that the district needs to have a progressive voice, particularly in the face of a potential second term of, of Donald Trump. If you pause and imagine Donald Trump as president of the United States, who is best equipped to 
make sure that we are fighting against Trumpism, to help ensure that we're fighting for what we believe in and our values. I think the question for Lowe is those, you know, younger, more progressive voters, are they going to turn out in this primary at a time where I think a lot of them potentially could be disillusioned with the Democratic Party? Are they going to come out in force, um, and force and vote in this primary and help him get into the top two? This is a district guy that is somewhat diverse. It's 57 percent white, 26 percent Asian, 14 percent Latino. Uh, I've seen some of Evan Lowe's ad on television. He's kind of playing up, I think, the, the family uh, heritage and, you know, being the son of uh, immigrants. Uh, does that play, do you think, in this race? I mean, are, are, does biography matter as much? I think biography matters for sure. Um, I mean, I'll, we'll see to what extent like specific identity appeals um, play. I mean, and even in Evan Lowe's case, I've seen the mailers that I've seen, the ads, they are focused a lot on his record, you know, progressive votes. Uh, he's made a, a big issue of the fact that he was one of the state legislators who supported uh, California's constitutional amendment in 2022, putting the right to an abortion in the state constitution. I think he's he's trying to play up those kind of issues, again, as like, you know, this is a progressive area. Shouldn't we have a progressive uh, member of Congress that we send to Washington? I think that's kind of his pitch. Sam Licardo, of course, is in the race. Uh, he's been endorsed, I think, by the Chronicle um, and has really racked up a lot of endorsements and money guy. Uh, where's that money coming from? Yeah, you know, Licardo has a lot of support uh, from the tech industry. Um, I think he's a candidate who you would expect to, you know, as, as he put it, he wants to have a champion for tech in Washington, D.C. And I think that's something that you could potentially see uh, from him if he's elected to this seat. I talked a little bit with him about that piece of it, kind of how he views regulating the tech industry, regulating AI as a member of the House. There's certainly a lot of tech bashing going on today from, from members of both parties, and some of it's appropriate. But the truth is, uh, we critically need these technologies. And whether we choose to facilitate their growth and success here or not, uh, someone else will. Uh, and that someone else may, in fact, be uh, China, it may be another competitor. And, and so we'd better be leaning in. And then there's a the fact that he was mayor for two terms in San Jose, the largest city in this district, familiar to voters. Um, and I think the fact that you know, maybe more than a third of votes in this primary could come from San Jose is something that plays to Licardo's advantage. And then, you know, I think we've seen over the years him being kind of a policy wonk. He's someone who really delves into policy and I think wants to try to flex the House's power a little bit more on local issues like housing. For example, uh, he's proposed, you know, being able to use uh, HUD vouchers for folks in interim housing as cities like San Jose try to figure out how to pay for, for short-term housing for folks experiencing homelessness. He wants the federal government to kind of play a bigger role in that. One of the other candidates is Rishi Kumar. And uh, as you said, he did quite well against Eshu last time around. He got about 40% of the vote. You have to figure a lot of that was maybe just as much a, I don't want to vote for the incumbent as it was a vote for him. Um, but what he's also kind of coming out of the tech sector a bit. Uh, what, what, how's he pitching himself? Yeah, I mean, he's really playing up that 2022 vote, which I think, you, you know, you're right. That, that kind of percentage is something that maybe pushed Eshu to a decision where, okay, now is the time I'm going to I'm gonna not run for this seat again. That is a pretty large percentage for a re relatively unknown candidate challenging such a longtime incumbent. And I think Kumar's trying to play that up in this, uh, in this race. This time around, there's a lot more competition in the primary, obviously. Um, he's 
been really outspoken on a lot of local issues, things like VTA light rail. He's like, it's just there's not enough ridership. We need to cut it off. We need to stop with it. And even, you know, international issues like um, the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza. A lot, most of the candidates I talked to on this were you know, felt like they, they sided with the Biden administration. Um, they weren't really jumping out to call for a permanent ceasefire. And Kumar kind of echoed that in, in a really straightforward way when I asked him, like, would you get behind the idea of a permanent ceasefire happening right now? At this point, no, because I think the hostages are trapped. And the stories I've, I've, I've read has been gut-wrenching. And then I've met with families in Los Altos Hills and Stanford University and Los Gatos in uh, Mountain View, and uh, it's it's not right what has happened. And to some extent, we have to forge a path for peace, but it begins from dismantling Hamas. And again, this might be a calculation by Kumar and other candidates that the strongest voices for a ceasefire um, might not be the ones who show up to vote on March 5th, hmm. potentially. Um, one of the other interesting candidates uh, who kind of came out of nowhere, Peter Dixon. Uh, I think you alluded to him being a former Marine. He's been on television, has a lot of money. Tell us about him. Yeah, um, Dixon has been on television a lot. He's you know sent out a lot of mailers in this district. Um, he, former Marine, worked in the State Department, also started his own tech company that dealt with national security software. Um, and he's, you know, I think turned heads just by how much of an ad blitz he's made. Uh, he's has more than a million dollars in the bank. He loaned himself over half a million dollars in this campaign. He's put up a really expensive TV ads on prime slots around football games. Um, and we've heard him really kind of articulate a message about, you know, being a, a strong national security voice who can, uh, again, be a voice against Trump in Congress. As a Marine overseas, it's something that I raised my right hand and swore an oath to the Constitution to defend our country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I do think that Donald Trump, we have to take him at his word. He is a fundamental threat to democracy. And so I am willing to work with anybody of any political stripe, but that is the litmus test, is are you willing to put country over party? Are you willing to put your oath to the Constitution above your fealty to one man? And he also, Guy, had a somewhat uh, interesting, maybe a little controversial ad that was generated through AI and made him put him in places that he wasn't, but made it look like he was there. That's right. That, that was his launch video, uh, which kind of gave a whirlwind tour of his biography, but like superimposing him and showing him in all these different places. Um, I think that uh, turned a lot of heads. But for a candidate like Dixon, he's starting basically from scratch, right? There's not a lot of voters in the district who are familiar with him. Um, and so he's going to need that type of spending just before the primary um, to kind of elevate his name ID. Well, you know, the Bay Area and California generally were, were known for a long time for all the women who were in office. And many of them are retiring. Anna Eshoo, of course, one of them, Barbara Lee running for the U.S. Senate. Jackie Speier left Congress. We had Dianne Feinstein, Barbara Boxer. We could end up with two men uh, senators. There is one woman uh, running in this race, uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames. Tell us about her. Right. Uh, Julie Lithcott-Hams is a candidate I'm, I'm really keeping an eye on. Um, you know, for what you just mentioned, right, uh, SU elected in the year of the woman, only having one woman running to, to succeed her in Congress in Lithcott-Hames, but also because Lithcott-Hames has a really interesting 
biography and background, right? She has experience in government. She's on the Palo Alto City Council, but also outside of government. She's been a Stanford dean. She's a best-selling author. Um, and I think she's running, really, as she talks to voters, on a, on a really interesting message, kind of tapping into this dual fear that parents have, both of, you know, sending their kids into a world that has less affordability, um, but also has fewer freedoms. As a mom, I, I know that as well. I have a 22 and a 24-year-old. And um, if you listen, as I have across my career, to young people, um, you realize that we are handing our youth a society uh, that does not have the protections and freedoms and supports that, frankly, I took for granted were in place when I emerged as an adult in the 80s. And Guy actually met Julie back in 2008. I think she was an organizer at Stanford University organizing students for Obama. So she's clearly, you know, got some roots in, in, in politics, let's say. Yeah, and I'll have to say for someone, you know, I, I hadn't interviewed her before. Um, she has only served on kind of the municipal level of government, but really sharp about, you know, a policy vision and really a coherent vision of like why her why, right? We hear Nancy Pelosi talk about that a lot. Like, what's your why for running? And I think the, you know, amount of time that she spent with, you know, talking to parents, talking to kids as a dean, as an author, I think has really helped frame her why for running. Um, and I came away impressed. Yeah. Well, just a couple of minutes left here. Um, what are you going to be looking for? I mean, uh, people are voting already. They have their ballots. The election's a little over two weeks away. Um, is, is there room for some kind of a big shakeup uh, in the dynamic or, you know, is the cake kind of set and now it's just a matter of people getting out their, their voters? Um, yeah, hard to say just because, you know, there has been just not a lot of public polling and it's hard to do in a, you know, a district of this size. And also when you have so many candidates, um, I can only imagine like the pollster just having to read out all the yeah. all the candidates, their names, their descriptions. I mean, by, the, by that time, you know, the, the person on the other end of the phone is doing something else. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I don't really have a, a solid idea of how this is going to shake out. Um, but I definitely think if we end up in a general election with two Democrats, um, I think you could, you know, really start to see sparks fly as, as far as spending and a little bit more combativeness between the candidates. We haven't really seen that in this primary. I think at this point, Scott, candidates are just trying to get their names out there in front of voters before they really try to start drawing those contrasts. You know, there's that old expression, all politics is local. But is it your sense that, that national issues are really playing looming large in this race or is it other things? I think they have so far in the primary. I mean, there have been candidate forums where pro ceasefire demonstrators um, have, you know, made their presence known. That may shift. It may, it may turn out that you start to get into more local issues um, in in the general election. I mean, I can see, for example, the issue of housing and homelessness. Low, Semidian, Licarda—they've all grappled with this issue as local elected officials. Maybe in a general election that features them those kind of differences in record um, might end up uh, playing more of a role. All right. That is KQED politics correspondent Guy Marzarati down there covering the 16th district congressional race. Guy, thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. All right. That is a wrap for Wednesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Political Breakdown is a production of KQED. Our engineer is Jim Bennett. Our producer is Izzy Bloom. I'm Scott Schaefer. Thanks so much for listening. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. 
They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.